It's news to us live on Adobe Radio. It is the week of April 27th. My name is Eddie. And my name is Jason. And my name is Katie. And Katie's here too. Everybody's here. Of course, we're still separated. We're still in our quarantine and our separate uh, recording spaces. So annoying. It's news to us. In COVID-19 quarantine 2020. Checking in on your quarantine over there. You guys are quarantined together in a sexy quarantine. How's your sexy quarantine? <laughs> so sexy. Super <laughs> duper sexy. Yeah, when this all went down, you happened to be uh, in the same spot. So you've turned it. <laughs> we, we just hunkered down. <laughs> yeah. We sheltered in place. Yeah. In the same spot. In the back of a 93 Buick on the, <laughs> the side of the freeway. There you guys are. It's maroon. <laughs> maroon. We're still waiting for AAA to come tow us. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk to Albert Lee. He's running for Congress for Oregon District 3. And also, there's this crazy story that I don't think has really been in the mainstream news enough. Has it? I don't know. I don't really watch the mainstream news, so I don't even know why I'm saying that. But it is... Uh, Really crazy because all these hospitals and states are ordering personal protective equipment for healthcare workers on the front lines, and it's being confiscated by the feds before it even arrives to the hospitals and the people that need it. FEMA's stepping in. You know, you hear about these reports, but it's just one of like several, so like it gets buried immediately. Yeah, so. it does. This has really gotten buried. So we thought we would shine a light on it because everybody really needs to hear about this. It's crazy what's going on. It's like the federal government are pirates. Almost. You know, you know that this show really drives the national conversation. So that's why we decided to shed light on this. Yes, absolutely. It's news to us with Eddie and Jason. And that is hence the name of the show. It's news to us. If it's news to us, it's news to the entire country. This is where America comes to get its news. That should be a new promo. (laughs) If these stupid cable networks can say it, we can say it too. They're no better than us. Fair and balanced. We're fair. Wait, someone's already got that. Somebody does have that one. Yeah. News. Yeah. (laughs) So there was, uh, before we get into all of that, I don't know if you guys saw that there was another one of these dumb COVID-19 press briefings today, and uh, Trump did make an appearance. We didn't know if he was going to or not. Did you guys, are you guys aware of that? No, I thought they canceled it. That's the last I knew about it. I thought, I thought they had canceled today's uh, briefing. No, he, he it, the briefing happened, and something really wow. bizarre happened in the beginning of the briefing. DJT. Again? Yeah, DJT didn't realize that the cameras were rolling and he was live on TV. And he, I actually retweeted the video if you guys want to go watch it. But he looks like he's stoned out of his mind. His eyes are bloodshot. And then he mumbles something under his breath. I've been trying to figure out what he's saying here. Maybe you guys can help me out here. So here's DJT not knowing he's live on TV just a few hours ago. I love everybody. So he's like looking around the room and he looks completely fucked up. Like he's on a whole he bunch. He said, I need an Adderall. <laughs> I love everybody. It sounds like I he's feel saying, like, I feel like yeah. he's saying, I don't know what's going on. I love everybody. 
I think he's saying I love everybody. I love you. I love you. Maybe if we uh, slow it down a little bit. <laughs> no, that didn't work. Speed it up. No, that didn't work either. No. Uh, I love everybody. Uh, I think he's saying I love everybody. <laughs> I love everybody. Why would he say that? Yeah, it, he yeah, looked, the, I get it. He looks yeah, like he's he's on some sort of drugs or something, and he's like, I love everybody. Uh, I like Katie's uh, take on it. I love Adderall. <laughs> I need Adderall. I love Adderall. Uh, well, uh, how are you guys doing though? Before we dive in, uh, we're doing good. We, you know, we spent the weekend doing uh, gardening, which was really just. <laughs> you know, satisfying. Are you being sarcastic? About. No, absolutely not. It, it's nice to do something, work, and yet we have nice flowers now. It's pretty. Our patio looks beautiful. Mm. You're welcome. Yeah, when you're working on, when you're out there in nature, even if it's like your your front yard or something, it. Uh, it well, it, and we fixed yeah. like the little community area for our condo. So all the neighbors are like, "Oh, it's so pretty." Oh, you did. Ooh. You yeah, fixed the community it. area. What? How, what'd you do over there? Did we you planted get, flowers. Did you get the proper permits for that? Yes. <laughs> I'm a roading crayon on a sheet of <laughs> computer paper, saying we have the permits for this. Well, you're basically following what rule of law is like in the United States, so. That's pretty yeah. much how everything is passed. That's what all the executive orders look like. They're just sheets of paper with crayon. Well, hopefully we don't get sued over our flowers. It was Sharpie, <laughs> not crayon. <laughs> we pulled a Trump. Yeah, you did. Uh, all right. Yeah, uh, we did a little bit of gardening. We started to do some gardening over here, but we don't know what we're doing. So might need some tips from you guys at some point. I mean, we don't know what we're doing. You know what? We have this thing called a Google machine. It's really helpful. I'd rather bug you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't have the the patience to deal with Google. <laughs> okay. Go to ask, com. Is that still a thing? I don't know, but you could ask him anything, and he'd help you. That should be our top story. Is Ask Jeeves still a thing? I'm, but, going, I'm gonna. I'm gonna check that right now. Okay, you check that and then let's uh, talk about this crazy story in Dirty Deeks. The Dirty Deeks. An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. Why the hell is this happening in America? States and hospitals are essentially having to smuggle PPE, the personal protective equipment, into their states, into their hospitals because the federal government is seizing this equipment Right, uh, taking it away from hospitals, taking it away from states, right when they're supposed to get it. How messed up is that? Um, well, I, I mean, as everybody knows, healthcare workers they really need these masks, gowns, gloves, ventilators because there's a shortage of all this stuff, and uh, they're ordering it because the federal government said to go ahead and order it. The Donald Trump said, "We're not going to help you out. Yeah, you're on your own." You know, it's a national emergency and we have a national shortage, but uh, you're on your own. We're not going to fucking help you. Yeah. That's our response. DJT said the federal government is, quote, not a shipping clerk. So now we have healthcare workers, doctors wearing trash bags. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, people are like 
in our in your local community, there are people making face masks out of cloth to provide to healthcare workers right now in every community around the United States. Which is heartwarming, but also re goddamn ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So And they're not I mean, they're not really gonna help you. I mean, it's nice, like yeah, it's something. They but. they need the the masks, the the, uh, the ninety five masks, the N ninety fives, because yeah. those actually will they're they're small enough. The fibers in it are small enough to actually prevent the virus from going in and out of the mask. Uh, uh, right. A handkerchief can't do that, or a chief, whatever your however you like to pronounce it. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Handkerchief. Let's go with chief. Handkerchief. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's looking like this is becoming a big, just scam and a big, again, another, this is what this whole thing would take down any other administration, but this is looking like it is just uh, a scheme to make certain people rich is what's going on. So we'll, what? yeah, yeah. We'll explain more on that in just a minute, but here's what the States are having to do. So here's a, in Michigan, the uh, the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, said on CNN, quote, we, the states, are trying to actively get every piece of PPE that we can. We're bidding against one another. All the states are bidding against one another. And in some cases, the federal government is taking priority. So they're doing what uh, DJT says to do. And basically, DJT has uh, pitted all the states against each other. They're all battling. And, and, the, and there's only five different companies that can actually sell this PPE equipment according to an executive order that was just signed. And these uh, five companies are allowed to gout price gouge, which is usually not allowed in times of crisis. But according to the executive order, these companies can charge whatever the fuck they want. Not only are states bidding against each other, they're also bidding against the federal government. I mean, how can you win in this situation? And then when states, even yeah, even though even though DJT said that the federal government wasn't going to help them, the federal government's still bidding on all this. The federal government is actively working against the states. That's correct. From our our investigation, our yes. <laughs> now, I mean, if it's really it's true. So, if a state does win a contract to get some of this medical equipment. We've seen reports where the feds will actually swoop in and steal, essentially, this uh, equipment that's already been purchased from hospitals from states. They'll just swoop in, FEMA will, and they'll just right out steal it. And then what do they do with that? Well, then they, hmm. then they, then they give this uh, stolen equipment to private companies, these five private companies that we just talked about. That were in that executive order, they will get to this equipment and then they will resell that equipment back to the states again. <laughs> what the fuck? What kind of a fucking scheme is it? This is like, I don't know, the the worst mob, like a low like a low grade mob scheme. Uh, I don't even know what to say right now to that. <laughs> like, yeah, what, what do you say? I I don't what? know. I, yeah. So the uh, San Francisco's mayor is saying, "quote We've had situations when things we've ordered have not gone through customs, and they were confiscated by FEMA and diverted to other locations, including other countries. Because then the federal government will turn around and sue and and, and these give it to the these 
equipment to these five companies that will then just sell it to the highest bidder. It doesn't even matter if it's in the United States, apparently, according to this quote, at least. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is pissed about this. The uh, governor of New York, here he is talking about it in one of his daily press briefings. Go uh, ahead. Organize this. If the states organize among themselves... Because you can't have the states competing against the states. And then, by the way, when the federal government goes out to buy the same equipment for their stockpile, now it's 50 states competing against the states and the federal government competing against the states. So this is not the way uh, to do business. We need a nationwide buying consortium. All right. So then he goes into a logical way of handling this, which is something that we're not seeing from the federal government. Well, I mean, I have an I have yes. an idea, Eddie. Yes, <clears throat> hear me out, just real quick. What if we had the governor of each state like join forces to become one <laughs> one entity? Yeah, to purchase all this PPE. I mean, what do you think? It's it's funny you bring that up because you know every state that is reported having their equipment taken from them. Guess guess what? They all have one thing in common. They are blue states. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 But what happened in Texas, though? Because Texas, uh, Texas, Texas is there's a purple. Uh, Texas, well, you know, it used to be red, but it's becoming uh, quickly becoming more purple. Um, Jose Camacho, uh, who uh, heads the Texas Association of Community Healthcare's, uh, Health Centers, said his group was trying to buy, purchase a small order of 20,000 masks when his supplier reported that the order had been taken. But now where in Texas is this? Right. I want I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Texas Texas Association. So broader Texas. I, yeah, I think they I, I think in its association of uh different community health centers, they're there to help hospitals that become overburdened. Um they're like a um overflow area, but even so. they're being shut out. So they're being shut out. He said, quote, everyone says you're supposed to be on your own. I think the craziest story out of all this is Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner. So for Massachusetts, he actually helped smuggle in a whole bunch of PPE. Uh, 1.2 million face masks. The way he had to, the way he was able to do this is he flew to China in the New England Patriots team jet and then put the masks on the team airplane and then brought them back uh, to the United States and with the team airplane. So nobody would think that there was medical equipment on there. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, there's also reports of like <clears throat> hospitals hiding, like concealing um, PPE and, and trucks that are designated are marked as something different. So government officials don't know that they actually are containing PPE. Like this story, for example, Dr. Andrew Artenstein is the chief physician executive of Bay State Health in Massachusetts. And he said, yeah, just that they actually they smuggled in a whole bunch of respirators from China. Oh. And once they landed, they put them into uh, trucks that were cleverly marked as food service vehicles. That's correct. That is. Yes, that is exactly uh, an example that I was saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did you guys already talk about when they took the ventilators from Colorado? I stepped out. No, what happened in Colorado? Yeah. So we're going through the states know. right now. 
That really chapped my ass. That was like when they when we very first started hearing about them stealing stuff. But I think it was like fifteen ventilators. Governor Polis ordered five hundred. Oh, five hundred. 500 ventilators landed here in Colorado and then they were taken right away. Man. At the beginning of this whole mess. Yeah. Why is the federal. Yeah. And then, and then DJT went on Twitter and said, you know, we're giving 100 ventilators to Colorado. Thank you, Corey Gardner. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then he gave Corey Gardner a bunch of credit. A Republican. For getting our state ventilators. It's all about doing. our Our stolen ventilators. He's doing political favors for people in his own party, and he's snubbing the states and the people who have done him wrong just because they're Democrats. It's, yeah, I mean, it's Florida disgusting. gets everything they want, it seems like. And, and they're, they're not even doing the correct things to, like, ward off the virus to begin with. They're not even trying, and then they're getting all of they're getting the PPE and the ventilators and they're not even locking down counties like beaches are open. Yeah. They're opening beaches and Ridiculous. they're not even trying. Yeah. And then, then everyone else who is really trying and uh, is having their equipment being stolen from them because of uh, this whole thing going on right now, it actually has a name. It's called project Airbridge. And uh, Project Airbridge is working, is under the coordination of FEMA, what we were just talking about. And uh, basically, this, uh, this gives those, those five companies the role of distributing all these, uh, this medical equipment right now. And they can charge whatever the hell they want. They're able to resell all these goods at a profit. So FEMA, FEMA's, the government's confiscating and then giving it to private co- five private companies. What the hell? This make this is like this should be a bigger scandal. It's corruption. Opinion. It's plain. It's plain as day. Mobbed up corruption. Like you can see yep. it in plain sight. This is mobbed up corruption. This is what corrupt foreign governments do. That we move in and stop, and it's our own government doing it. Yeah, and just think about the people, the poor healthcare workers that are on the front lines right now, the doctors that are not having proper equipment, and they have to go home to their families after dealing with all this. Uh, I mean, a lot of these doctors are like, like self quarantine at home. They like sleep in the garage, so they don't spread it to their families. Yeah, they're going into work fearing for their lives. A lot of their coworkers are passing away. We're hearing just horrible stories. So, because they're not, they're not being. I mean, we should be giving the our medical workers whatever the hell they want, and it should be. I don't know. It shouldn't be a question. They should yeah. get whatever they need to get the job done. It shouldn't become this bidding war about who can make the most money. And uh, it's just it's so sickening. This we are not a third world country. Actually, I think we might be now. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> we might be now. You're right. We we are now. I mean, yeah. you know, all these corporations are profiting off of the PPP. We are now an underdeveloped nation with a corrupt government. That's what America is. Top top one percent are continuing to enrich themselves while twenty six million file for unemployment. Yes, welcome to America. So, just to sum it up, a uh, Reddit user string in database just kind of summed up how Project Airbridge works. So, uh, the the White House. Uh, or states bid against each other for supplies, and then five private companies 
have been given antitrust waivers to allow them to coordinate pricing and they could charge whatever they want. And then they resell this stuff to states and then FEMA seizes and redirects supplies that states thought that they already had. So it's just crazy. How is this happening? Meanwhile, people are dying. Like this is a life and death thing. That's really the most fucked up part about it. And we're all st- we're all stuck at home, right? We're all stuck at home while all this shit is happening. And now they're going to reopen, you know, different states are starting to reopen in the next few weeks. And we're going to have another wave of this. And yeah. it's going to continue. It's going to be a cycle. It's going to continue. And the, these companies are going to continue to profit off of Americans dying needlessly. This is, a, this is just a looting of America is what's happening right now. Pretty much, and then uh, yeah. again, I fear in the end that it it just makes it so that Americans are forced to take jobs that pay less money, and you yep. know, you're at the you're at their beck and to you know, you have to beg to live at their yeah. I mean, we've had like five or six great years of a uh, good economy, and I guess the overlords don't want that anymore. People are starting to put a little bit of money in their savings account. Got to knock them down again. Got to own more shit. Got to collect more and hoard more money. Keep them under our thumbs. Put them in debt. We're getting too healthy. Yeah, people are getting too healthy. It's sad. It really is just so frustrating. Because I feel like this whole pandemic, I mean, it. it there are people who are loving this right now. Not just people. Um... Uh, these the elite in this country, the uh, the filthy rich, the hoarders, and uh, a lot of nasty people in the federal you know, government. We need to figure out who these people are. Shed more light on this, you know. Like we say, these people, like these companies. Oh, but yeah. Who are they? Donald Trump and Jared Kushner. Anybody who's a millionaire that got a huge, huge lump of money in the uh, stimulus package. Because did you guys know about that, right? Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos is loving on this right now. Oh yeah, it's just a, another consolidation of power is what's happening right now, and it, it's it sucks. Here we are. Power it sucks. It sucks. And what are we gonna do about it? We're gonna sit at home some more. <laughs> sit home. Don't go out and organize because you'll get sick. Is what they're saying now. It's like the perfect thing because you can't get out. You can't organize because you have to social distance. And like, how are we supposed to protest this from your couch? But I, on the bright side of meeting, I mean, like they're, they're trying to reopen these economies because these big companies and they they can't thrive without us. And I think it's kind of a reminder that us, that we, the people, have way more power than we're led to believe. Like if we all organize and don't go to work for two weeks look what happens to the economy it shuts down so if we were to do this on our own accord because we want universal health care or living wages imagine what could happen then i mean look at the gas industry right now gas is all-time low i feel like or at least the lowest in our lifetime that's trump's fault though because he he did his whole he's got deals with mbz and mbz and russia are having their big oil Bites, and that's a whole other thing. Like MBZ is flooding the markets right now on purpose. Yeah, but we're also no one's driving right now. Yeah. So the demand is that's, gone. That's, 
Perfect storm there. Well, I mean, like one thing that you can do is run for office like Albert Lee for Congress in Oregon's District 3. He's going to be joining us next right here on its news to us. I got to step out for the evening. Oh, thanks for joining us, Katie, for the first segment. We uh, always like it when you join us. Oh, yes, it's been lovely. I enjoy it, too. We had a great uplifting conversation. I know. <laughs> yeah, it always is. <laughs> nice talking with you. You, too. There goes Katie, our social media manager, by the way. All right. Executive manager. Yeah, she is the executive title because nobody <laughs> works under her. Executive, yeah. because <laughs> Our executive tweeter. <laughs> executive tweeter. <laughs> Who's been only in the Twitter jail how many times? Well, on her uh, personal, not on our uh, show account, but she has been placed in Twitter jail a few times. Uh, yeah, I don't more than more times than I can count. <laughs> okay, well she has a potty mouth. We'll be right back. We're gonna get Albert Lee for Congress on Skype, and uh, yeah, we're using Skype. We're going old school. Mm. And we're gonna talk about his campaign. He is a Democratic Socialist, and he is coming up next. If you have any questions, you can always uh, let us know too. If you, uh, you want to add us on Skype, since we're gonna be logged into that, or tweet us. It's news to us. We'll be right back. It's news to us. We're live on Adobe Radio. And, uh, well, we've been talking about him. And now we get to talk to him. Albert Lee is running to represent the people of Oregon's 3rd District in Congress. And he's now joining us on Skype. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to meet you all. It's great to meet you as well, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, when we talk to politicians or people who are running for office, we sort of like to get to know them a little bit personally before we get into the issues, if you don't mind. Certainly. So, uh, oh, Jason actually had a question about uh, what we might be able to call you. Jason? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it okay if we call you Albie? you know there are very few people who have had that um um, opportunity to call me alby uh and i gotta tell you uh it was actually a nickname that i had when i was a casino games dealer uh right after school in omaha nebraska a casino games dealer in omaha nebraska (laughs) yes man we do our research that (laughs) i think there's an interesting movie there casino games dealer in omaha nebraska what were you dealing Oh, blackjack, Caribbean stud, let it ride, poker, kind of everything. It was uh, one of those um, riverboat casinos. Oh, oh cool. cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds. That's like that's really cool. How long did you do that? <laughs> oh, I think I did it for about a year or so right after school. Uh, the casinos first got to Omaha or across the river in, in Iowa uh, at that time. And, you know, much like casinos everywhere, it was sort of a boom at the beginning and then of course, you have all the negative externalities that come thereafter. Right, right. And where are you from? So um, I was born in South Korea, but I grew up in North County, St. Louis, next door to Ferguson. So how old were you Were you when you came over? Oh, a baby. I was uh, just under two. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then both of your parents were from that area? South, and, or where were they from? No. So um, my, my dad uh, grew up in St. Louis, African-American uh, man who joined the Army in the middle of Vietnam. So he joined 1969, 1970, 
And oh, quite wow. frankly, he joined because he really didn't have any other option. Uh, uh, for a, a young black man in a very heavily segregated St. Louis, his options were really to wait for his draft card to get pulled and go straight to Vietnam or to go ahead and sign up and hope for something better. And that's what he did. Uh, and that ended up uh, sending him to mechanic school and then eventually on to Korea where he met my mom and which is why I'm here today. Oh, OK. What yep. a what a love story that is. That's cool. <laughs> and then you became uh, enlisted yourself at some point. So was that after the casino or. Yeah. So, um, in fact, um, you know, I was working um, in uh, Omaha after I graduated college. I had studied uh, political science, and international relations, and I really wanted to work for the State Department. So I took the Foreign Service test passed with flying colors, and then it was time for the oral assessments, but poor kid like me couldn't make it to D.C. in order to take uh, uh, that opportunity, and that opportunity passed. So it was about a year after school that I found myself with crushing school debts Ah, uh, and freaking out, and next thing I know, I'm finding myself in front of a a strip mall recruiter uh, that was more than willing to sign me up. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of us, all of us have gotten that desperate with our student loans, and maybe that's something we can talk about here as we as we continue on. And uh, well, I got to tell you, I mean, it, it, our student loans uh, for uh, Generation X on down to Zennials is really a crushing weight that boomers simply have no idea or concept of. Yeah. Uh, it is it, it effectively makes us all indentured servants. It, uh, it does, and you know, it's like um, Jason and I are millennials, and our uh, you know parents growing up say, "Go to college, go to college, go to college," and you know, I did that then. Uh, we ended up with all this debt that is just an impossible mound. It's depressing to look at and yeah. it, it really is hindered our entire generation. We can't buy homes. We all of our money goes straight to the bank and you're right. We are, we are like indentured servants. So, and here's the thing, you yeah. know, um, with this COVID pandemic, this crisis, we actually had a, a virtual town hall yesterday with a couple of economists where we were talking about modern monetary theory. And one of the things that I raised, uh, which I think is something that is very well possible if we had the political will, is to do a complete debt jubilee. And what I mean by that is to have all debt canceled. I'm talking student loans, medical debt. That's credit possible. Debt. You, you it think. is. It is not only possible. It, you can do it across the board uh, and have a complete reset. And especially at a time like this, with uh, this pandemic going across around the world, um, you know, we've already injected trillions of dollars into Wall Street, only to save the assets of those uh, of the one percent. Uh, that money oh. right there uh, could have wiped out all student loan debt. It could have provided for four years of emergency economic support of $2,000 per person plus $500 per dependent uh, for the next four years, the amount of money that we've spent over the last uh, month and a half. Jason, wow. were you about to say something? Well, I was going to say, so you're saying uh, to wipe out credit card debt. Are you saying like car loans, credit cards? Or I'm just talking about all debt. debt. Commercial debt, personal debt, uh, medical debt, everything. So we can. Do you just, know how? Do you know how much debt that is? Like, how much are Americans in debt it, all together? You know, that's you're, you're you're talking in the neighborhood of trillions of dollars. And we just came up with two trillion dollars like it was nothing, and gave most of it to wealthy corporations. Like, I'm tired of hearing that we don't have the money or resources to do things. Well, we can do well, whatever that, we want. That, that in itself is exactly what we we're talking about, and that was what we were talking about yesterday when we were discussing modern monetary theory. As a 
currency uh, sovereign, the United States has the capability of creating its own money at any time. Um, now, uh, we do this in times of emergency, but we also do it in times of uh, non-emergency. So like when uh, the wealthy were given a tax break, that was to the tune of trillions of dollars that the, the government simply didn't have. It, it simply created that out of thin air. Same thing when we look at the 20 years of endless war that we've had. We've, we've spent $7 trillion on those endless wars. That was money that we didn't have, but we created out of thin air. Um, these are um, some abuses of, of, of the policy, but we should whenever whenever we talk about doing something for the people, the question is always, how are we going to pay for it? But whenever it right. is for the benefit of those at the very top, uh, it doesn't get any kind of scrutiny whatsoever. It's socialism for the rich and capitalism for everyone else. Exactly. Socialism for the for the wealthy and brutal, brutal capitalism for everyone else. So the you say that we the U.S. federal government just comes up with and makes money out of nowhere. You know, I remember like back when the Tea Party came came out like ten years ago or however long ago it was. They said that um, China owns a lot of our debt. I mean, do we really make up that money, or are we just becoming more indebted to other countries? No, we we are an economic sovereign. We're a currency sovereign. We create the money out of thin air. Um, you know, when when the government creates um, uh, the funds, what is it? What it do? What it is doing is it is pumping money into the economy. So uh, a good case in point is what has happened uh, the last four months, uh, last four weeks, uh, when the government pumped in the trillions of dollars into Wall Street. What it did was it put uh, s- supports in that stabilize the assets of the 1%. Now, is that getting spent? No, they're just holding on to it. Now, if the government would have done the same thing and say provided an economic uh, uh, emergency economic support to the people, uh, the people would have spent it. They would have spent it on their rent. They would have spent it on uh, food, clothing, shelter, et cetera. And that would have continued to uh, produce uh, um, within the economy itself. So you're uh, saying and trickle down is not working. I would like to plug uh, our, our little discussion yesterday. You can find that on, on our website as well as on YouTube. Cool. Now, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but and not to beat a dead horse here, but you know, they always talk about, you know, especially when um uh President Obama was in the office, the national debt, like what is that referring to then if we can make up money wherever we want? Yeah, I mean, so when we talk about the national debt, what we're talking about is what the government is putting into the economy. Whenever we talk about pulling away from the national debt is what the government is taking out of the economy. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, now, when you have the Republicans right now, they're they're talking uh, – yeah, well, first of all, when you were talking about the Tea Party, the Tea Party was simply conflating uh, the difference between a personal uh, uh, budget versus uh, what our government can do. When we talk about uh, the Republicans right now in Congress, like folks like Mitch McConnell, who who are saying, you know what, we need to go ahead and let uh, states go bankrupt, that, that's just ludicrous. Uh, we 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 have a federal government that's here to supposed that's supposed to bring the supports necessary for for the states and for the people. Uh, we pay what into we the have right government. now has just simply been uh, a government uh, by, of, and for the 1%. When over 50% of uh, our con- our members of Congress are millionaires, uh, you got to kind of under- ask yourself, you know, who, who are they fighting for? Who are they truly fighting for? And themselves that, or for the rest of us? That's part of the problem, too. So, I mean, all of these ideas sound really great on paper to you, me, and everyone else, but... What we're up against is with people with money and people who have money have power. So 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole system is broken, really. I mean, looking at all these issues and trying to solve them, I think it doesn't look at the root of the the, the problem. Uh, what do you think the root of the issue really is? Citizens United? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's money in politics. And Citizens United is just uh, the icing on the cake. This started back in the 70s when you look at Buckley v. Vallejo. That was really the initial start of uh, deregulation and allowing money to influence our politics. Since that time, uh, we have had a system where uh, effectively our politicians are bribed. And that's one thing I want to say. I'm not a politician. Uh, I want to be a citizen representative. I think of politicians. I think of liars, crooks and thieves. It wasn't until uh, Senator Sanders in 2016, 2015 that I ever gave money to a uh, to a, a politician or a candidate uh, because he is somebody that uh, for over 40 years has been working for and fighting for the people. We need to get money out of politics because, quite frankly, money in politics is the root of all the issues that we face, be it the endless war, uh, the immense wealth gap, the suppression of the minimum wage, the lack of a universal health care system. All of these things are because somebody's making money with the status quo. You know, we don't have a uh, universal health care system because there are so many private health insurance companies uh, that make a, an incredible amount of money. Their CEOs make an incredible amount of money, and they in turn bribe our politicians to either talk about other things, look the other way, or, or completely, uh, you know, befuddle and mix up uh, what a universal health care plan ought to provide. When do you think the average American is actually going to get upset? Because that's really what it's going to take. Because I think we're we're right now slowly being boiled in that pot of water. Well, that, that's the thing. We've got 27 million people that are unemployed right now. And that's 27 million families without health insurance right now. You know, the Republicans and those on the right say, "Well, you got Cobra." You know, I've actually had to uh, live with Cobra at one point when I had lost a job. Um, and quite frankly, what Cobra is is your same health insurance that is provided by your private uh, employer without your private employer's input. So uh, when you are now faced with unemployment and you're looking at a bill that used to be a couple hundred bucks, now being a couple thousand dollars, it's something that's completely impossible to maintain. Uh, So COBRA is not an option. Uh, And I think that as we have more and more people facing unemployment, more and more people facing financial collapse and a government that simply doesn't care, uh, I think that's when we're going to start seeing some changes. I mean, if you look to our neighbors up north, you know, they uh, have been able to provide, um, you know, an emergency economic support for uh, citizens of their country. Why? Because they care. It's not because uh, we don't have the ability to provide an emergency economic support. It's simply because our uh, members of Congress simply don't care. Yeah, and it's really disheartening to see it. It's it feels like we've just slipped into a third world country at times, to be completely honest with you, is the way I view it. But why don't we like uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about the race there in Oregon? By the way, your district covers a lot of Portland and you, you've decided to to primary against incumbent Earl Blumenauer. Is that how you say his name? I believe so. I, I, Blumenauer. Blumenauer. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to uh, to take this on and against him specifically? Yeah. So uh, number one, I live in the district, and I I'm well aware that you can run in any district within a state. But uh, uh, I believe that in order to be a true representative, you should be a representative for the district in which you live. Uh, secondly, uh, when I look at the 24 years that our incumbent's been in office, uh, I've looked down the history and I've seen that we've basically had no choice. We have had no real challengers, no legitimate challengers, either in the primary or in the general election. No. Uh, so effectively, we, we live in a little fiefdom, a little earldom, if you will. 
And um, when I look at this, you know, he has been relatively a good vote for us, a, a, a generally progressive vote in our district. But there in still remains a lot of issues uh, that have been allowed to fester and grow, a lot of issues that have not been addressed. And I'm talking about things like our homelessness crisis, the lack of affordable housing and living wages that places way too many of us within the struggling class, uh, a climate emergency that really has only gotten lip service. And when you just peel a little bit of the surface away from uh, what our uh, current representative is and does, you realize that, you know, he's part of the problem. You know, he accepts corporate contributions. Uh, he backed pedals on things like uh, universal Medicare for all. In fact, two years ago, I went to his town hall on Medicare, on, on health care, and I was really excited to hear uh, what he was going to do to support a universal health care plan. And at that time, he kind of waffled and discussed a, a wide variety of different things and said, you know, we might get there at some point in 20 years. Mm. Well, I don't have 20 years. My kid doesn't have 20 years. And when it comes to things like our climate, uh, we're looking at seven to 10 years. Uh, and the incrementalism that our establishment Dems uh, are doing is uh, is, a, is an absolute disservice to us. It is stall. It's a stall tactic. It is uh, really uh, a stall tactic to allow uh, extractive resources and, and fossil fuel companies to extract as much profit as they can before we, you know, sh shut the party down um, and, and shut the systems off and switch over to renewable energy. We need this now. We need bold action now, not just inspirational and aspirational words. I think uh, uh, in addition to that, 24 years is an awful long time for somebody to be in office. It's longer than Vladimir Putin's been in office. Uh, it is not democracy if we don't have choice. Uh, and then lastly, um, or no, I, I would have to say that you know, I believe in the basic tenets of the party when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion. I think it's beyond time that we uplift some new voices uh, from some other backgrounds, from some other lived experiences to represent us here in the most diverse district of the state. But finally, uh, and most importantly, uh, I think it's time that we end this oligarchy, uh, this rule by elite career multimillionaire politicians and replace them with citizen representatives who know the struggle, who won't take corporate contributions and who will truly represent and fight for the people. Do you see that, you know, we've been living with a two-party system for, you know, 150, Ever. 200 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you yeah. see, like, like momentum shifting from a two-party system? Like, do you see this evolving in the next 25 years? Well, I see both parties shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, the Republicans have uh, allowed themselves to be taken over by a fascist uh, uh a megalomaniac. Um, and then the Democrats are shooting themselves in foot and are, are, are doing everything they can to uh, take away democracy within the party. I mean, you have this, uh, the state of New York now today uh, canceling their primary, effectively ending uh, any chance for, of uh, Senator Sanders to secure more delegates within that state, within one of the most populous states in the country, effectively denying uh, democracy to the citizens of New York. Um, so I see both parties really not doing a, a good job in maintaining their own existence. Uh, now, in addition to that, uh, we do have a duopoly, a two-party regime uh, that's in effect. One of the ways that we can get through that is to do something like initiate H.R. 4000, which is the Fair Representation Act. It would be a way uh, to in, uh, introduce ranked choice voting across the nation. That would help us to stop doing this crazy uh, lesser of two evils selection. I mean, right now, when we're looking at our presidential race, people are scratching their heads figuring out, you know, which uh, senile old man shall we go after or, or vote for? 
you know, and, and that shouldn't be the way that we, we really, uh, uh, elect and select the people that are going to lead this country, uh, that are going to represent us. Um, I believe that a combination of ranked choice voting and breaking up the gerrymandering, uh, would help to go a long way to, um, uh, get us to a, a, a better democracy because right now you're looking at my district. It is 80% democratic. Uh, that means 20% of the folks here will never get true representation. Uh, it is um, it's always going to be a Democratic district, and that's just the way it is. You go across the uh, mountains to the other side of the Cascades, and that's going to be a completely red district. And, you know, 10, 15% of the people there are never going to get true representation. Not until we can break up the gerrymander and get money out of politics and have ranked choice voting. And getting the money out of the politics, I think, is going to be the hardest thing because what's going on right now in America is class warfare more than anything, in my opinion. And I, I don't know. I, I would, I want to be an optimist and think that we, as people, have more power than the elites. But uh, well, that's the thing. I, th- I do think we really, you know, we, we, we've seen a movement started uh, by Senator Sanders back in 2015, 2016. From there began um, a group of folks that got in in 2018, the squad, uh, and some others. And in here, in, in this cycle, 2020, we've got hundreds of progressives who aren't taking corporate contributions, who are trying to do this the right way, who really, truly want to represent the people. Yeah. So this is the litmus test right now to see if, um, you know, is all that money going to drown out the voices of folks like myself? Uh, are people going to be able to see and hear and understand that there is an alternative, that there is a choice? And will those people make that choice? Uh, that is the question that's to be decided this cycle. Uh, so we can um, possibly get in of those hundreds of progressive champions. We could possibly get in 10 or a dozen if a fraction. Get uh, in. I mean, it'd be amazing. Yeah, if we got if we got 10 percent of the folks that that are true progressives in, uh, that would be sufficient amount to create a voting block that could really, truly leverage and affect change. Uh, get things like ranked choice voting onto the ballot, uh, get things um, like a universal health care plan uh, uh, moving because of uh, the ability to block legislation, the ability to, um, you know, hold things hostage until uh, those voices are heard. But so long as we have establishment um uh, corporatists from both parties uh, in office, uh, we're not going to get there. So really, uh, I'm doing the same pitch that every other progressive, true progressive is doing. And they're saying, look, you know, we're taking the risk. We're sticking our neck out. We're standing up to represent the people. Now we need the people to support us and to and to uh, vote for us. Albert Lee 2020.com. That's the website. And yes. Albert Lee is running to represent the people of Oregon's third district in Congress. And thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, before I let you go, we're almost out of time, but how's the campaign going? We didn't even ask you, know, you that. With COVID-19, we've had to shift everything. We had a great field plan going for the last two months, and that just got shot out of the water. Uh, so what we're doing is our best, reaching out to people by phone banking, texting, uh, virtual town halls, and uh, inter- interviews like yours. Is it, how's the response? What are the what's the uh, what's the feeling? You know, uh, it's hard to gauge because uh, it's mm. really hard and difficult when we're all stuck inside. Yeah, uh, I know that uh, we're we're getting a lot of support, a lot of vibes from a lot of different people on social media. We'll see if that actually converts into solid votes. Okay, cool. We wish you the best of luck. We'll be keeping an eye on it. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I take care. Take care. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. There he is. Albert Lee. I, I liked what he had to say there. 
man, I could sit there and talk to him for hours. I feel like. Yeah, I think I think he's got it. You know, it's, yeah, a, it's he, a shame he's not out there and uh, and talking too. I think yeah. he, he he would probably do better in uh, in person town halls. But you know, that's but people can't do that right now. So everybody's on that level playing field, at least. I mean, everything he was like to me, I'm just a layman here, but it was all making sense to me. So, yeah, Um, I how about you? I can't say I disagreed with it, but would you you say you agreed? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I think that it. Yeah, I think that we it's so annoying. Like, you know, I'm just. It's just annoying that half of Americans who are eligible to vote in presidential elections don't vote because they say, what does, you know, my vote doesn't count or why does it matter? Like, that's exactly what they want, right? Like, it's just, I'm getting so tired of it. Like, look at where we're at. Right. Shit matters, man. Like, just pay attention and do your part. Shit matters. I like that. That should be the name Shit of it. Shit matters. Adobe's trying to come up with a name for our, our voting campaign. Shit matters. Dude, I'm just so sick of it, though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, I Me too. All right. We'll be right back. Hang on. News to us back live on Adobe Radio, and let's uh, check in down under, see what's happening with David in Australia, who actually is recovered from COVID nineteen. Hey, David. G'day, boys. How are you? Oh, doing all right. Uh, we were just saying it's been a frustrating show. We're getting frustrated at the state of things here in in the U.S. I have to say, I am absolutely like literally chin on the floor listening to what you guys have said and and everything that's going on. That is absolute lunacy. Absolute lunacy. And you look at the figures for you guys, over a million cases. What the fuck? That's just, I, I can't get my head around it. It's just, that's stupidity at, at its essence, really. Hey, what'd you call us? <laughs> not you, not you, the government. I'm joking. Like, it's yeah, Jason's like the, fault. The, the way the government <laughs> is trading off and stealing, it, it's basically Robin Hooding itself. Yeah. Although instead of robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, they're robbing from the poor and giving to the rich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a reverse it's, Robin Hood. It's backwards ass. It's backwoods fucking Robin Hood. Yeah. But we on the other hand, as of Friday, um, we're coming we're going back to level two restrictions. So all of um so we'll start being able to we're able to go at, go outside of our homes. Uh, we've still got to keep uh, meetings under 10 people, but we're really starting to relax everything because we took everything so seriously. We've had it, you know, had a lockdown for seven weeks now. And um, our our government is basically looking at getting everything back up. And our sport, hopefully, will start in about four or five weeks. So we'll have footy back soon. Wow. Uh, you know, that, that, do you that's, think that's a good idea? I don't know if it's a good idea. I, I, I mean... <laughs> I honestly, uh, I, I like all the optimism, but I think we're all in this uh, until this time next year. Agreed. I, I agree. I, I, do, I think I, I think I you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in the same boat as like the folks in Singapore and like the the island, uh, the northern island of Japan, where they thought they had 
coronavirus under control. They reopened, and now they're seeing a huge spike in cases, and they had to lock down again. Because there's still two facts. A, there's no treatment, and B, there is no vaccine. And there's yeah. and C, there's no herd immunity. So it, we're fucked right now still. Sorry. It's, uh, it, I, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. I, I mean, I hope that that doesn't happen. Uh, but having said that, I mean, when you look at our stats, we've, we've still, we've, we're still under a hundred deaths. Like we have really, really <laughs> nipped this thing in the butt and we have just poured all of our resources into our medical, uh, system. And we've, our government has basically frozen all debt and given everyone free rent and yeah it's they've made it really really easy they've spent money in the right places um and yeah they've like all our leaders have basically taken all pay cuts they've given it all back into um the economy and it's that's how our government has approached it but it's just stop such bragging. a different yeah. approach to america uh, yeah stop bragging yeah. how how big, what's the population <laughs> of australia do you know 23 and a half mil so that's so like you have California. Less, you have less deaths than we do here in Colorado, and we have five and a half million people. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Just, and we've, just we've wrap only your mind got around about that. Have, a thousand active cases at the moment, but only forty of them are in critical condition. We have we we have like six or seven times the amount of deaths so far. Oh my god! Thirteen times. We have like thirteen thousand. It's ridiculous. I can't take it anymore. Well, David, yeah, how, how Australia? David, you, you even had COVID yourself. Uh, how yeah. long? So now you're, you sound a lot healthier than you did in the weeks past. You, you're 100%? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I actually yesterday went and had uh, my final scans done. So um, I, what they do here is you've got to get uh, after you do your 14 days and then you um, after you test uh, negative, you still got to wait another 14 days and then they give you another test. And then a month after that, they test you again. And I just did my last test and I'm all, all hunky dory, all sweet. So. Is, uh, we don't know I, I, if you're going to be, a, if you have immunity to it in the future yet, yeah, they're saying there's not enough data on that, but I hope so. I, I hope so too. And that's, that's going to be a really interesting telltale sign is, are the is it something that you can catch twice? Because if it is, then that then I think you boys are right. I think this is going to last well into next year, well, put, if not maybe even a little bit longer. Put yourself so, in a football stadium and see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, David. Good to hear from you. Glad you're doing well, and uh, yeah, nice to catch up. Get some Thank rooms ready. Much, maybe maybe build a couple. There. Build a couple more houses on your property because we're gonna have to have an Adobe compound down there. Yeah, we're coming <laughs> I down, reckon, hey, I'm gonna have to smuggle you all in and get, get me you the out fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, David. Whole compound. Thanks, boys. Take care, man. Bye. There he is, David in Australia. Checking uh, in. That fucking. <clears throat> it sounds like bragging about Australia. I want. I, uh, <laughs> sounds so much better there. Dude, what the fuck? Uh, what are we doing here? Time for us to go. But before we go, a, right. uh, a really quick headline that just came across my desk that I thought was really funny. Howard Stern encourages Trump supporters to get together and drink disinfectants. That was great. Going viral. I think we've done the same, though. Uh, always copying us. That's Stern. 
Well, what just came across <laughs> my desk is Diamond and Silk were let go from Fox. Who? Oh. Diamond and Silk. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Well, get with the times, <laughs> my dude. I'll try. I love everybody. That's that's the president. I love everybody. I love everybody. He's saying I love everybody. I love everybody. He sounds like he's like uh he's Charlie Brown's mom. I love <laughs> Appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. I love everybody.